0: Good morning. It's good to see you on this beautiful summer day. And uh, I know some of you need preparation for change. So I'm going to prepare you right now. Uh, over the next couple months, our foyer is going to change, uh, and that includes this week. That will start. It's going to be in some stages. So. Uh, When you come next Sunday, it may be a little different. Uh, It was already a little different this Sunday. Anybody notice anything? Faceboards, yeah. So this afternoon, we need to clear that out. So if you have a few minutes after service this morning, we'd love to have you stick around and help us. And uh, we're going to clear a bunch of that stuff out because they need to be working on that tomorrow. So if you're able to help, we'd sure appreciate that. And again, when you come next week, you'll see step one of the changes. And uh, we're excited uh, about uh, using uh, our foyer and, and making it, uh, it's been a beautiful foyer. will continue to be a beautiful foyer, but uh, maybe a little more flow friendly, et cetera. You'll see as we go on, I think you'll enjoy it and it will be very helpful. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you this morning, may we recognize that you are almighty God. Lord, as we celebrate the baptisms, a step of obedience that those this morning have taken, we're so grateful and we praise you and just grateful that we can join with them in celebrating your work in all of our lives. Lord, as we look at the life of David this morning, may we be challenged in our relationship with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we continue in the life of David, we're in 2 Samuel 6 this morning. David has become king. The last chapters of 1 Samuel describe the deaths of King Saul and his son Jonathan. In the early chapters of 2 Samuel, David has become king, first over a portion of Israel and then over the entire country. And as we come to 2 Samuel chapter 6, we see that David demonstrates what's a priority in his reign, and that's to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. The Ark had been gone for almost 70 years, and David wanted it back as part of, of the centrality of God in Israel's worship. Follow along as I read the first eight verses of 2 Samuel chapter 6. It says, and again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name the Lord of hosts who dwells between the cherubim. So they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. And they brought it out from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments, of firwood, of, on harps, on string instruments, on tambourines, on cistrums, and on cymbals. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error, and he died there by the ark of God." And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perez-Uzzah to this day. So let's get a little picture of what's happening. First of all, the ark itself. If you follow the, the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, you recognize that the ark of the covenant was a central part of their worship. It was originally built as they were in the wilderness on their way to the promised land. And God gave directions for the building of this Ark of the Covenant, which would be the dwelling place of God. And so we see it was beautiful, ornate. And so they built the Ark. And and God gave instructions how to build it, what to put in it, how to cover it, and how to carry it. And so we see as, as they took that with them and they brought that with them into the promised land, and as they brought that into the promised land, again, it was a central part of their worship. Well, if you come to 1 Samuel chapter 5, you see the, the nation of Israel was fighting against the Philistines. The nation of Israel was very concerned about this battle, and so they thought, here's what we'll do. We'll take the Ark of the Covenant with us into battle. It's sort of like a good luck charm that we'll take with us as as we go into battle. Well, that was not the purpose of the Ark of the Covenant, and the nation of Israel's army was routed that day against the Philistines, and, and the Philistines took the Ark back to their country sort of the spoils of the victory and our god is more powerful than their god so we're going to take this this instrument of worship for their god and we're going to bring it and they brought it into the temple of their god named Dagon there in the land of the Philistines and and they put it in the temple of Dagon and as they put it in there, they left that day, they came back the next morning, and you see this reported in First Samuel chapter 6, and as they came back the next morning, we see that the statue of Dagon was face first on the floor next to the Ark of the Covenant. Hmm, that wasn't that good. So they, uh, they propped the statue back up again, and the next morning they came, and again they found the statue of Dagon flat on its face, and, and this time the head had broken off and the hands had broken off, and, and we also see that the Philistines were having some, uh, some plague issues, and so they said, we got to get this thing out of our country And so what did they do? They they made a plan and they and they sent it out of the country. We'll look at that here in just a little bit, and and got it to the edge of Israel, and there it sat for about 70 years. And now we come to 2 Samuel chapter 6. And we see here with David that, that David had a right heart, but he chose the wrong action. Now his heart is seen in his priority of moving the ark to Jerusalem. He made that moving of the ark a priority of his reign. We saw that 2 Samuel 6, the first two verses that we read earlier. Going to read it again here just to prepare us again. It says, again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000, and David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal Judah to bring up From there, the ark of God, whose name is called by the name the Lord of hosts who dwells between the cherubim. So we see the ark had been taken by the Philistines, brought back just over the border. And the Philistines said, we don't want anything to do with this. And so it it sat by the house of Abinadab for many years. During Saul's reign, which was about 40 years, or was 40 years Nothing was done. And so again, that time before Saul reigned and during Saul's reign, about 70 years. And David, as one of the first things that he did as king, he said, we need to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. Jerusalem, central to the worship of God. The worship of God, central to the plan that David had for the people of Israel and the Ark of the Covenant a central part of the worship a great demonstration of a heart that strove to to seek and to worship God and a king who desired that a nation would worship God remind you if, if you listen to people uh, you know we use the example of the president, if somebody's running for president, oftentimes they, they lay out the things they're going to do their first day in office, which points to their priorities. David, as, as he is very new in his reign over all of Israel, he says, one of the first things that we're going to do is we're gonna bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. We're gonna bring it to Jerusalem where it belongs as a central of our as central in our focus. However, while David had the right heart, he chose the wrong action. David chose to move the ark using man's methods rather than God's methods. So remember the Philistines, when they brought it back to Israel. It's interesting how they brought it back. And we see that found in 1 Samuel chapter 6, verses 7 through 9. In 1 Samuel 6, it says, so the, the, the Philistines, the, the statue of Dagon had been falling, and so the Philistines sent it back to Israel, and here's how they sent it. It says now therefore, the Philistines speaking here, make a new cart, take two milk cows who have never been yoked, and hitch the cows to the cart, and take their calves home away from them, and take the ark of the Lord and set it on the cart, and put the articles of gold which you are returning to him as a trespass offering in a chest by its side. Then send it away and let it go. And now notice what it says in verse 9. So they said, okay, we we built this new cart. We got these two milk cows that are going to be hooked up to the cart to take it. We're going to put it on the road in the direction of Israel and and send it off. And we're going to watch. We're going to give a little offering sort of to appease this God of the Israelites. And we're going to watch what happens. Notice verse verse 9. It says this, and watch if it goes up the road to its own territory to Beth Shemesh, which was just over the border into Israel, then he has done us this great evil, he being God. But if not, then we shall know that it was not his hand that struck us, it happened to us by chance. So the Philistines, they watched what happened to the statue of their God. They had great sickness that was taking place. And and so they said, we got to get rid of the Ark of the Covenant. It's causing us all this issue. But they still weren't fully sure that it was the power of God that was causing these things to happen. So they they hooked it up. they, They sent it along, and they just watched if the cows happen to turn off the side and stay in the land of the Philistines, see, it's nothing about God. It was just a pure accidental chance that all these things happened. But if it goes all the way into the nation of Israel, obviously, their God has some power. Guess what happened? It went all the way into the nation of Israel, stopped there by the house of Abinadab. But you notice David's plan. His plan was different than God's plan. We see a parallel passage in in 1 Chronicles 13. And and as as you study the Bible, just a a little help to understand sort of the the flow. If you see, because you see 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, and 1 and 2 Chronicles. And and all six of those books talk about the time of the kings of Israel and then the latter part, Judah and Israel, when it splits into half. If you take 1 Chronicles, it matches what takes place in 1 and 2 Samuel. And if you take 2 Chronicles, it matches what happens in 1 and 2 Kings. 1 Samuel focuses mainly on the reign of King Saul. 2 Samuel on the reign of King David. And then 1 Kings, the reign of Solomon and some of the following kings and 2 Kings, the rest of the kings of of Israel and Judah. And uh, those match with 2 Chronicles. So 1 Chronicles, you'll see a lot of parallel passages to what we were reading, going through in 1st in and 2 Samuel. So in 1 Chronicles 13, we see a, a more thorough description of David's plan to bring it Jerusalem, and we see that in the first four verses of first Chronicles thirteen. It says, Then David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds and with every leader, and David said to all the assembly of Israel, If it seems good to you And if it is of the Lord our God, let us send out to our brethren everywhere who are left in all the land of Israel and with them to the priests and Levites who are in their cities and in their common lands that they may gather together to us and let us bring the ark of our God back to us for we have not inquired at it since the days of Saul. Then all the assembly said that they would do so for the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. Now again here, just like we saw in our passage in 2 Samuel, you see the heart of David desiring to bring the ark back so so they could worship and and they recognize the importance of God being central in their nation. And that was great. But there's a couple things there that, that point to David's wrong action. What did he do? He gathered all the leaders together to, and they, they had a big discussion on, on what we should do and they came up with a plan. And there, as we read again at the end of verse 4, everyone was pleased with the plan. The problem was, it wasn't how God had set it up, God had a different plan. Now, you can say their goal in the end was good, but their plan on how to reach that goal was wrong. And if you saw what the Philistines did, you'll notice that David's plan was very similar to the Philistines, knowingly or unknowingly. The only differences were the area that it traveled, the Philistines' plan. It was from the nation of the Philistines into the edge of Israel, now from the edge of Israel, hopefully to Jerusalem, as we saw and we read at the beginning. They didn't quite make it. The other thing is instead of cows, they used oxen. And so we see that David's plan was different. You see, David asked the right question But he asked it to the wrong people. He sought the counsel of the leaders instead of seeking out what God's plan was for moving the ark. And it's important for us to recognize that God cares how we go about things, not just the end result. Oftentimes, we say, yeah, God, I want to honor you, and this is my plan. This is how I'm going to do it. God may have a different plan. And we need to seek God's direction. And I don't fully understand this because I'm confident David knew the history of the nation and was familiar with the law. We call it the Pentateuch. I'm sure he was. But for some reason, David didn't go to the instruction manual on how to move an Ark of the Covenant. Now we we have a little view of the Ark of the Covenant, it came, I believe it was the 80s, I didn't look this up, but it was redone here recently, by the way, and, and, and we all know it's now in some government storage building in Washington, D.C., right? <laughs> uh, it's not. That, that's not true. But, uh, but you see, God set up. Again, we mentioned this earlier, how to build it, what to put in it, how to cover it, and how to carry it. And David didn't follow God's instruction. And oftentimes, we, we have our own plan And we say, God, this is how I'm going to do it. Now you bless it. And we may even have a good heart. But we need to seek out and follow God's plan. And because of that, and, and by the way, in, in, in verse 7 that we read, it says, because of Uzzah's error, that term error gives an idea of irreverence. And when we look at the story, and here is Uzzah, I mean, anybody would do what he did. He's walking alongside the ark. He's one of the sons of Abinadab, and and they're having this giant parade. I mean, everybody's excited. They're playing instruments. The ark is going back to Jerusalem. And Uzzah does what we think any of us would do. You see something begin to fall, what do you do? You reach out to steady it. What was so wrong about that? Well, two things were wrong. Number one is Uzzah wasn't living in full recognition of the holiness of God. And it was because of that that he was killed. He didn't he didn't recognize that a holy God had a specific plan. But it also goes back to King David and those leaders who came up with their plan rather than God's plan, because they put Uzzah in a position to fail. And so we see that that Uzzah died, and what what the day began as an incredibly great celebration, music, and parade route, and everybody cheering and singing and playing the instruments. I mean, this is wonderful. All of a sudden, it's amazing what happens when somebody dies in the middle of the parade. It just sort of loses its steam. And that's what happened. what began as a celebration ended with funeral preparations. But God cares how we go about things, not just the end result. In verses 6 and 7, we saw, And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. The anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error, and he died there by the ark of God. The party was stopped. And we find that it stayed by the house of a guy named Obed-Edom for about three months. But during those three months we don't the, the narrative doesn't share more, but we obviously by the next verses recognize that in those three months, David recognized his error. maybe did a little review of, of God's instruction manual. And we see that part two of the story, we see a right heart right action. David determined to move the ark using God's directions. Back to First Chronicles, again a parallel passage at the beginning of chapter 15, verse 2. It says, Then David said, No one may carry the ark of God but the Levites, for the Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of God and to minister before him forever. So they began a second celebration as they moved the ark, but this time the celebration ended on a much more positive note than parade 1. And we find that David was overjoyed when the ark was brought to Jerusalem. Notice what it says in 2 Samuel 6, verses 12 through 15. It says, Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed Edom for all the things, for all that belongs, and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed Edom. To the city of David, that's Jerusalem, with gladness. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces. And again, it was correct, it was the Levites carrying it on their shoulders with poles through the rings that were placed on each side of the ark as God had planned. So when they went six paces, it says that they sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all of his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts. And with the sound of the trumpet, they praised and they worshiped God seriously. It was all about God. I'm afraid sometimes in our worship, we're concerned what others may think rather than considering God. But there's another interesting part of the story in the next verses. David's wife, her name was Michael, did not join in the celebration. While the nation celebrated, David's wife, Michael, stewed. Notice what it says in verse 16, and then we'll jump down to verse 20. It says in verse 16, Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. We go to verse 20. David's coming home after the celebration's over. It says, Then David returned to bless his household, and Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David, David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. By the way, her, aunt, her statement to him was filled with sarcasm, dripping with sarcasm. David, you made a fool of yourself in front of all these people you are not living like a king you are not acting like a king david focused on god his response is interesting here in verses 21 and 22 it says this so david said to michael so she just got done saying david you made you a fool of yourself Your actions were beneath a king. You acted like a commoner, David. You acted like one of those people. Notice what he says in verses 21 and 22. It says, So David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. And we're going to stop there for just a second. Now, if you came into my office for counseling... We may use this passage on how not to talk to each other. First of all, Michael, David, this is a pinnacle of his new kingship. His passion, and what should have been the passion for the whole nation. Bringing the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. This should have been a celebration. David's coming home. He's walking on cloud nine. Things are great. He walks into the house, and what does his wife do? You say, "Oh, what a fool you are! You embarrassed me in front of all of those people." Now David's response, and and this is hard because he uh, he spoke the truth. And Michael needed to hear it. I I don't know, maybe he could have said it a little differently. (laughs) Because he starts his response by saying, Yeah, I'm David. I am the king. You got that right. And I'm the king because your father blew it. Your dad was a jerk. And so, probably not the best way to start it, even though it was truth. But he goes on and brings out a very important point. He says this, Therefore I will play music before the Lord, and I will be even more undignified than this, and will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by the way, spoken down about them, by them I will be held in honor. You lashed out at me, you lashed out at the people talking about how foolish and how low we were. But guess what, Michael? They get it, you don't. And I love that phrase that he said there, I will be more undignified than this. As he humbled himself before the Lord. He reminded Michael and reminds us It's not about me, it's about him. And my worship is about him, it's not about me. And my focus is on him, it's not on me. And if other people consider me a fool, so be it. My goal is to please God. Now, in, in 1981, I went to a concert. The guy's name was Dallas Home. It was in Butte. Beautiful Butte, America, right? Uh, any Butte people here? They were in first service. I heard an amen when I said Butte. I, I, okay. All right. Um, anyway. But went to this concert. Dallas Home and Praise. You guys remember? In Dallas Home, by the way, I, so I, I Googled her. I YouTube went to YouTube, and I found he, he still sings this song, at least it was 2017, 2018, I can't remember which one, so uh, he looked a little different in 1981 than he did in 2017 on the YouTube video. I probably looked a little different in 1981 as a high school senior than I uh, looked in 2017, but the song was this, and it's amazing, it was a really cool concert, And uh, but the song that stuck out to me the most There's a song called, I'll be a fool for you, Jesus. That's just what I'll be. You see, it's all about him. It's not about me. And the song goes on, you know, whatever it takes to follow you, that's what I'm willing to do. No matter what other people think, my goal is to honor God. I will be more undignified than this. As David humbled himself before his Lord. Now, a couple things as we close. First of all, Jesus must be our priority. David, and we and we have talked about and will talk about some of David's sins, but yet he was called a man after God's own heart. He's called a man after God's own heart because of attitudes like this, where he said, Following God is my most important action. Worship is what I am called to do. Jesus Christ needs to be our priority, as God was David's priority. Also, God cares about our actions as well as our goals whether it's taking a shortcut, doing things that aren't right, not following God's instructions. We need to make sure that our actions as well as our goal honor God, which leads us to the third part, and that's this. Joy comes when we obey. David celebrated. And a nation celebrated Because in obedience and in worship, they followed God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and your love. And I pray that you would help us today to to recognize that you are to be our priority. Help us to recognize that, that our actions, as well as our goals, need to honor you. Lord, help us to recognize the only way to have true joy is to worship and obey you. Lord, we thank you for David's life and what he can teach us. And may we live this week honoring and obeying you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.